we're at the threshold of something new and unknown, and we are becoming a new species. We are awakening, not just in the whole new age spiritual thing, we're awakening to the unknown, to a potential that isn't written in books. It's a, it's, it's a wave of creative thought form realities that are gonna move us into something we have yet to imagine. We just have to be ready for that. So it's like, stop holding on to who you've been so you become who you really are. And that's the challenge of this time. You know, that's the challenge of the last two years. It's a challenge of our moment of choice, moment of evolution, our moment of waking up collectively. A lot of us, of course, have You got to accentuate the positive. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. As always, so wonderful to be with you all and uh, happy 2022 to you because it's still reasonably close to the beginning of the year. Look who's in the house. Alan is in the house. <laughs> Alan Steinfeld, welcome to this thank show. Thank you, thank you, thank so, you. I'm happy a, to be here. That's a veteran. You. We're going to have a great conversation today. And I'm going to read Alan's ext extensive bio because he's amazing. So bear with me. Alan Steinfeld is a writer, producer, television podcast host and speaker in the field of human potential, metaphysics, conscious evolution, healing, spiritual awakening and cosmic intelligence. He has been involved in extraterrestrial disclosure since his experiences as a young child and I, I want to talk about that too. Can you remind me after that? I want to yes, know we will. We will talk about that. We want to know what happened. From that time, he realized that the only way for humanity to accept the fact that we are not alone is to shift our worldview about what we think is possible. In this way, Alan feels we must transcend old limitations out of our mind and tap into what is beyond mainstream psychology, education, religion, and current political ideologies. He feels that disclosure is an inside job. It is only when we awake to who we really are as cosmic galactic beings that the cosmos will come to greet us in our magnificence. To this end, he hosts and produces New Realities and many other programs. You're doing Portal to Ascension and the Wish Alliance. You're doing so much at the moment. You've been prolific on his YouTube channel and website. From this platform, Alan has interviewed many consciousness teachers, such as best-selling authors like Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ram Dass, John Gray, Caroline, is it Miss or Mice? Miss. Meese, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Lynn McTaggart and many other leaders in the field of health and human potential. He's also spoken with every top researcher in the UFO field and has formed close alliances with people like John Mack, 
Bud Hopkins, Richard Dolan and Linda Moulton Howe. Alan has been one of the main hosts and speakers at Contact in the Desert, which is being called the Woodstock of UFO and ET explorations and sees a growing pulpit movement towards ultimate truth emerging. And of course, his new book out last year, Making Contact, Preparing for New Realities of Extraterrestrial <laughs> Existence. Well, I know, you know what, Alan, I've been doing this work for about 30 years and I've been podcasting for about 12 years. And I was watching you on YouTube. How many years ago? When did you start? When did you start on YouTube? Well, I started right when YouTube began because I had already had a lot of programs because I was on uh, public access cable TV in New York for about 10 years before I even YouTube was even a possibility. So I had all this footage. Actually, my girlfriend at the time said, what are you doing with all this stuff? You know, you're just doing interviews and nothing's happening. And, and I said, well, something will come along. And this whole thing came along, which was uh, the whole YouTube platform. So I was in there in 2006 before Google even bought it and presenting my shows and what they were calling creators at the time. They were looking for a lot of content. And now it's, of course, an industry, a movement, a uh, um an institution really so um yeah i was yeah. there i was there at the beginning and that was fun it was fun to be in there and uh, be part of those early creators you know well absolutely not only part of the early creators but part of the you know the awakening movement and mm -hmm. you know i went on media because i was teaching and you know teaching psychic courses and teaching deliberate creation and healing and all that stuff because when I did a healing course in my 30s, I realized that media hypnotizes us and programs us. And most of the messages are fear. And so I thought, oh, God, this has got to change. You know, this has got to change. So I went on radio because I was too vain to go on YouTube because I was too critical of myself. But anyway, I got over that and eventually got on YouTube. But, you know, using this technology to empower people is so important, I feel. So and you've been doing it since get go. So. Right. Unfortunately, there's still fear. It's it's been amplified the fear, the fear media versus the media we're trying to do, which is the even beyond hope. We're empowering people to be their own authority, their own authority. So absolutely, like, human potential. But I want to. Okay, let's go back to the childhood because you know okay, I watched sure. you for years. Well, when I say for years, I watched you at the beginning, and then I got too busy. But you were like I like in the bio, you were talking about consciousness and you know Deepak Chopra, Lynn McCannock, all the you know Caroline Miss, which is a different message to what you're doing now. And then you seem to disappear off you. I don't think it's actually a different message. I think uh, no, no, the thing is an expansion because that's also about human potential. It's more about us than it is about the others. So yeah. who is us? Well, it's not what we've been told. So in order to really make contact or be making contact, like the title says, we have to understand who we are, which is taking all those things people have said about Lynn McTaggart, Joe Dispenza, Deepak Chopra, and bringing it to another level. So it's an extension of the human potential movement because it's beyond human in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
well, I don't know if it's beyond human. It's like it says in the oh. bio, it's human potential. It's who, it's, yeah. it's who we can be when we get out of our limiting thoughts. But, right. but I'm saying beyond human in the sense that the vibration of meeting these others takes us out of the human drama. I guess that's yeah. what I mean by human. The, yeah. drama the drama. This person did that. And what where are you going to eat tonight? And did you see that person's shoes? And that, that whole drama. And she happened. said that about me. And I exactly this. That and let me just talk about other people. It keeps us stuck in a really old way of thinking. So, yeah, I mean, to go to the higher human elements is what this, this movement that we're part of is, is potentiating. So yes. what happened to you as a child? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I always did feel different. You know, I always felt like I had a nice family, very nice people. You know, they worked hard, they went to school, but I always knew there was something more, felt there was something more. I didn't know what that was, but it couldn't be just, you know, getting up in the morning, going to work, eating dinner and watching television. I mean, there had to be more to reality and to the real experience than that, because what was this all for then? But most people didn't care. And I was also, I was also fascinated with the stars, right? So what's, what are those lights in the sky? This is in my chapter in my book. Why are they out there? What are they telling us? What are those strange patterns that they're in and why? doesn't anyone really talk about their significance? I mean, yeah, people mention stars, but like most people are looking down and I was always looking up. So I felt I was different from the beginning. And I don't know if you want to call that star seed, hybrid, whatever it was, I would also have strange dreams, out-of-body dreams. I, 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 I had a high insomnia. I could not fall asleep. I remember being two or three years old. And trying, you know, getting up, I was up all night until I thought if I just closed my eyes and stayed awake and looked straight ahead at this point, this just came to me, I would do that and then it would start to see a white light. So I felt like more of my potential opened up with those kind of like two-year-old meditations, I have to say. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just doing it. And um, I don't know, something started to expand and I got into art, creativity. I had a painting at an art show in second grade that was like, I was painting abstractly and I didn't even know what abstractly was. All I knew was I couldn't paint details of things I would paint my ideas uh, in second grade was to paint the impression of the thing to let people figure out so in a way that was sort of an evolved process of art because I wasn't like a detailed person to paint this it was like a the man on the trapeze I think it was so I knew I couldn't paint all those little details so I had to just give the impression of it and that won an award and it's like Wow. And it was just, you know, I was always interested in the creative process and why we create this next book I'm writing about on is, is about the creative process and the interface of the UFO phenomena with that. So it's 
I, I'm hoping it's going to be a revolutionary book. We'll have to do a show about that. But anyway, so I was into things. Um, other, I mean, some kids were into, some kids are incredible artists, but um, I was also very visual. You know, I remember looking at television for the first time. This was when there were black and white televisions, you know? And I was like, I don't know, three or four years old. And I remember thinking I wasn't able to see anything on the television except black and white and gray fuzz, like the fuzz. I wasn't, I don't know what everyone around me was looking at. There were no people. I wasn't seeing people. I was just seeing these abstract forms and everyone seemed to be seeing people. So that was a major point for me of when I realized that the motions on the screen matched the motions of the people here, even though it was gray, when I put together the patterns of perception, which is sort of what I'm writing about now, I was able to, these forms started to come on to my field of vision. Like it came out of the gray and I was starting to able to see forms because of the patterns of perception I began to make the associations about. So it's like people emerged out of the gray background in my perceptions of these um, training of this perceptions of awareness. I don't know why I'm telling you this, except for the fact that um, beings exist all around us, but we're not seeing them because we're not trained in our in patterns of perceptions to notice what's around us. It's like that film, I show it at my workshop sometime about the um, gorilla walking through the basketball court. Have you ever seen that? Right, because of that, I show that to people and they say, you know what, and they didn't know what they were looking at until they, they start to make the association, the patterns start to form um, an awareness that keep that kind of shows us a another level of reality. So yeah, when we right, so when we start to notice more around us, and this is the right brain is the pattern of perception. This is why I also teach remote viewing. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching people to cognize some new realities <laughs> in their sense perception in their sensing their intuiting the awareness of the non-local mind does yeah. that make sense oh yeah absolutely just uh, i'm just going to explain to people what the gorilla thing is so a group yeah. of young well, people i don't know about half a dozen are asked to uh, throw a ball at each other so they're given a focus and then a guy in a gorilla suit walks through the middle of them as they're watching the ball and catching the ball. I think they'll yeah, I, I tell people to count how many times the team in the white shirts are passing the ball. Just count it. And, and so people are pretty good people. They do what you tell them to do. And so they're so focused, focused. on the count that this guy in a gorilla suit walks across the basketball court and bangs its chest and walks <laughs> off. I would say 95% of the people do not see that because they, they are focused right. on what they were told to do, which is what I'm making the equivalency of people are focused on this is reality and that's not reality. And so 
they don't see the bigger picture of what's around them because no one told them it was there. No one said this was existed. So if no one tells you it's true, then you might not, you might notice something, but you discount it. Right. And this comes back to media. You know, mm-hmm. we are we are focused in a narrative, a, a very tunneled vision, limited narrative. And as we are told to think about this and we're shown vision and we put music behind it, then we don't actually see, as you say, what else is going on because we're at, do you know what, whatever the powers that be and whoever you think that is, but this was orchestrated mm-hmm. to keep humanity kind of tunneled visioned. I mean, exactly. This goes along with the whole UFO thing, you know, right. it's um, if no one talks about it, it can't be true because if it was true, people would talk about it. This right. also, this is like the headline in Scientific America from 1903 that said the Wright brothers are hoaxers right. for claiming to fly through the air. Mm-hmm. And they say in that article, if the Wright brothers flew, someone would have reported it and since no one reported it, it can't be true because it was true someone reported. So it's the same argument for UFOs. If this was real, it would be on the front page of the New York Times. And right. it's not, although it was on the front page of the New York Times, December 16th, 2017, and that was a wake up call. And now we are snowballing a, a, a meaning that a, a snowball is going downhill catching steam the disclosure movement and that's reason why this book became so popular because i this is a collection of essays by the best people in the field mm. this is linda moulton howe richard dolan my good friend jj and desiree hertock uh so many good people have been involved in this field for 30 and 40 years that it's not like, oh, I think there's something out there, maybe, but no, these are people who know they've done the research, they've done the investigations, they've talked to the insiders, they've talked to experiences, which probably me and you, Karen, are experiences, right? So they've talked to lots of experience. And it's not like people always ask, do you believe in UFOs? This has nothing to do with belief. What is that? Yeah, do you believe in God? Because you don't know. This has to do with, did you see something or did you not see something? Is the government hiding things or is the government? The government wants us to think it's about belief. That, that gives them power to hold the secrets, but this is not about belief. This is about, is there or isn't there? And this seems to be overwhelming evidence that there is. Something out. I mean, of course, the New York Times, I've just said the government has come forward to say, absolutely, there's something unknown in our skies. Not Russian, not Chinese, not advanced weaponry. So that's square one within this movement. Square one is... Unknown unless it is known. I saw a photograph on your Facebook page yesterday of you and Kevin Briggs. Yes, Kevin's a good friend. Yes, I, he was just at my book event. Right. And, yes. And, and you know, and, and Kevin's someone that's had ET contact since he was a child. I've had him on the show many times and I, I met him right at the beginning of his journey. 
And he, I've got him in a, because like you, I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of consciousness and ET experiences. And um, I've got a couple of favorites and he is definitely one of them. Like he's one of the most extraordinary people that I've spoken with because of his experiences. And he's so humble about it and so nonchalant. And, you know, (laughs) and he said, and he said that up until a couple of years ago, he was never going to talk about to, to the public, apart from his wife and his brother, he was never going to tell anybody. And now he's out there telling the world. But, you know, when he looks up, he's like chatting to the mob, you know, his galactic team in his head, and then they fly past in a UFO and like wave and all that sort of stuff. So when he looks up into the sky, it's not unknown. He knows exactly who he's speaking with. And I well, some that. people do know yeah. because they've opened up their powers of perception right Mm -hmm. to bring in an awareness of other realities and i think this is what i'm calling on everyone in the world to do by reading this book by understanding the content of this book is start to expand what we think is true that's what new realities is about my program for I know it's a fabulous name, New Realities. It's just, it is really is the fabulous. It just came to me. I don't even actually like the title of this book. It just came to me. It's like, um, I don't know. It just like sums up. I think you do know. (laughs) No, I don't know on a personality level. It comes from the unknown, from the subconscious soul psyche level. Do you have open and deliberate communication with your guides, Mm. with your spiritual team? They're saying yes. They're saying it because I do. Uh, And I'm chatting. I don't look at it as that in that way. I mean, a lot of people do. I get downloads when I'm writing. Uh, I I think, though, it's a sort of aspect of me. I mean, yeah, sometimes there's communication, but it's like, I'm okay, not can I tell you what they're saying? Yes, tell me. Well, they're me. saying you are us and we are you. And right. um, the, the, the relationship is so close that you don't understand the differentiation between me and you, us, us and you. And that's how it's supposed to be, they're saying. That, well, I think there is no differentiation. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's so, what they're saying. It's how they're supposed to be. Whereas most people, when they think connecting to galactic entities or spirit guides, we're looking at some separateness clump because we're so rooted in separateness that there's got to be something outside of me that's talking to me. Whereas, you know, the, the oneness of being that they are operating, right. it's, yeah. There's nothing outside of us. Right. Everything. If it's in your awareness, it's in your field of self, mm. you know, because the awareness is the self. So, mm. yeah, I appreciate that. I didn't know you did that. Do you, what, what did you call it? What do you do? with your <laughs> well oh, we're here to talk about you but yeah I, i've been connected to my guides for years okay. and it's developed over the years in my 30s i was doing you know courses to develop the psychic ability and expanding my field and then i started teaching people how to do it but um, i call them very irreverently the mob um, it's a longer conversation because i'm not wow. really talking to points of consciousness that are rooted in separate net i'm talking to a stream of consciousness a bit wow. like a bit like the way Esther describes Abraham, like a stream of consciousness, wisdom. It's because they say, you know, we are energy. We are, we are a combination of all that we've lived in through time and space and throughout multi-dimensions. And, and so you can't really give it an identity, but you can if you want to, if you need to. You can say uh, yeah, Archangel Michael, Jesus, Buddha, I think you know, it's Metatron. All good. 
Mm. I think it's all an evolution. So right. you know, I'm happy that you're so tuned into this. But I have to say, you have a huge, huge kind of sort of team, you know, to put it in human terms, you have a huge like mob gang, but energy behind you that are that is guiding you and speaking to I, you. I do I feel that I feel like you know I'm like the the tip of the iceberg of uh, really really well I feel like uh I mean maybe everyone feels like they're here to do something but I feel like really focused as a bridge between these ET worlds in particular I wouldn't even call them ET you know after writing this book Grant Cameron has a chapter in here who's a great guy he says he calls me up and goes you know they may not be even be ets that's just something we call them and mm -hmm. he's right what we're calling et or whatever that is is a label for something we don't know right we mm -hmm. don't know we don't know what these being we don't even know who we are mm -hmm. so how do we even presume to make a qualification of other beings. We don't even know what a tree is, you know? We don't even know what the simplest thing of, like a blade of grass, what is it? You know, it's like, that's from Walt Whitman's poem, what is leaves of grass, but what is this? We don't know. So we create ideas about what we think things are, and then we believe the ideas and say it's true, which sometimes that works in, in science, but it won't get you very far in understanding the mysteries. Um, we have to like, not be attached to our beliefs because belief doesn't mean anything. Like I said, do you believe in UFOs or do you not? And belief is conjecture. Yeah. Do you know? Knowing, gnosis. Do you know the word gnosis? No. Tell me. It's like Gnostic gnosis. <laughs> yeah, Gnostic comes from gnosis. Mm -hmm. Gnosis means to know beyond reason, beyond mm -hmm. conjecture, beyond gnosis is knowingness. Mm -hmm. This is the Greek word knowingness. So we override belief and thinking and um, uh, guessing, all those things to know, yeah. to gnosis, to knowingness. Knowingness is the key to unlocking the door to human beingness. And, and you know what? When I'm teaching people about their psychic abilities, most people are operating in knowing and then looking for some message to come or some image to come or, you know, to, for the clairvoyance or the clairsentient, and yet they've already got the knowing. And it's hard to explain to them that you're already doing it because it feels so natural. And you're like that, right? You call it download or whatever. Yeah, that's how I teach remote viewing in that right. same way. Don't guess, no. Right. And sometimes you get this impression and, you know, I practice remote viewing every day. So um, what do you someday, remote view? Well, there's actually an app online called the remote viewing tournament or RV tournament, where it's sort of like you compete against other remote viewers who gets the right target. So it's oh. kind of fun. I mean, there's like 3000 people in this. Anyone can join RV tournament and it's really good practice. And I know when I got something, I know when I'm guessing, when I know that I know that I got it, then I, then I get a hundred percent. If I'm sort of vague and maybe not tuned in, it's like, it's reflected in the score that is 
the judge. So I'm doing pretty well considering this 3,000 people, but it is like a muscle. Remote viewing is, and I just did a whole lecture on this with JJ and Desiree Hurtock about, it's about tapping into the right brain, the creative brain, the, the, the receptive brain, the receiving part, and you're letting the images come to you. I guess that's like being psychic. It's like when you ask your guide, you're not, you're just letting it come to you. So this is part of our evolution as human beings. You know that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's not a thinking process. It's actually just an allowing process. It's asking yeah. the question, getting out of the, getting out of the energy of the question and in that yes. place of receiving, which is just that complete, like meditation teaches us, that complete relaxed, just, you know, give me what I, you know, when I speak to my mom, I just say, show me, and then I let go. Uh, rather than trying to think about it it's like the more empty you are the more you can receive it's it's a sort of counterintuitive but I want to go back to something that you said before yes. not counterintuitive that's not the right word but it's like what we've been it's the opposite it of what we've been it's intuitive but it's the opposite of what we've been taught how we've been taught we've been taught to think and process and analyze and it's the opposite of that but you said something about they're not even, Grant Cameron said they're not even extraterrestrials. You know, we don't right. know what they are. Because mm. as humans, we identify who we are from our physical, you know, meat suits. And we say, mm -hmm. this is me. And I think that the extraterrestrial world, much like the spiritual world, identify themselves as their energy their consciousness their spirit soul i don't know give it some names that is inhabiting or using a meat suit if you like a body a form to operate in a particular dimension but they don't identify themselves with the form it's just like the car you know you're driving a car around right, but it's what we need to do as human beings is also extend the borders of it does uh, we don't end with the body right. you know we have an energy field we have a thought form field we have a you know a morphogenetic field. field so we as we redefine who we are as human beings being more than the meat suit right. then this is part of making contact this is part of a line right. with the higher consciousnesses, because like you said, they probably don't identify with, there's an energetics. And we are now understanding because of quantum physics that we're not just a particle, we're a wave and we're some combination of wave particle, wavicle. And we've been so trained to think we're just a particle that we've forgotten right. the wave. Right. And when we know we're energy, that thoughts are things or energetic things then we can start to communicate with these beings on a higher level because they're not using words right they're using symbols mm. you know the power you know the difference between a sign and a symbol no tell us a sign is this is what it is you see a stop, stop sign mm -hmm. It's not a symbol for stopping, but otherwise you wouldn't stop. Does that mean stop or not? No, it's a sign that says stop. But if you take that same sign and let's say you put in uh, um, an ocean of polluted water, 
you know it it just doesn't mean stop it it's it, it, it stop what you it's like let's stop the whole process a, a, a sign when it converts to a symbol takes on an expansion of meaning that is not pinpointed as a specific thing signs are specific things symbols are expansion like if you look at my book the cover of my book there's a little there's a little asterisk in the middle of making and contact between the making and the contact and i i i didn't force the publisher to put this in but i said please put this in because this is this asterisk which is a star asterisk means star is the point of contact this abstract all these words in these this book comes down to that asterisk that symbol of making contact it is because what is an asterisk it could be a little sign it could be reaching out in many directions if you look at an asterisk it has a multiplicity of meanings that cannot be narrowed down to just a sign and when you take in the multiplicity of meaning that's the point of making contact the point it's a little pun the point of making contact and the point of making contact is the poetic value that that little symbol has in each person's understanding yeah what's the point of making contact well what is the point of making contact <laughs> it's to understand the symbolic nature of reality which we're all a part of that we can interchange and interface with higher levels being in order to communicate a higher value of knowledge that's what the point Perfect. of symbolic thinking is so yeah. you well, know i think it's to know are who we are as you know as you've said as human potential because they know they're living it because i you know i used to talk to the masters and people were channeling galactic beings and i used to be critical when i was younger and say you know if you can go straight to like you know god why would you channel a galactic being and this is my critical mind and then my guides sort of hit me on the head as usual because they normally do you know tell me off when i'm in the critical mind and they say well think about it karen you know these beings are consciousness incarnated into a form that are living a completely different reality to what how humans are living a much um, broader perspective of uh, spiritual understanding in a form wouldn't you want to hear from someone that's actually living it you know, their experiences, how they do it. And I thought, oh, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I'm glad you had that revelation because yeah. we're here to unfold a greater reality and meet these beings beyond just the ordinary, beyond the right. ordinary. It's so exciting. So before you leave this earthly realm, do you see yourself communicating with physical extraterrestrials like hanging out and you know having telepathic you, me you us us we're already doing that i know that i know that because i do it all the time but but not in not like not like someone like kevin briggs like i haven't had an experience where uh, what okay okay yeah okay okay so perception they're saying perception so well, he's happened. perceiving, he's perceiving like if you stood before me in the physical, I would perceive you as reality. And they're saying reality is just a perspective of perception. That's so, right. Um, yeah. No, but the dream state, you see, in this book I talk about, we have to become more lucid in altered states right. of awareness. So 
in your dream states, I mean, my dream states, I have lots of dreams with other beings from other yeah. realms. Yeah. And some of it's beyond the human uh, capacity to comprehend. Right. But in a dream, which is not a dream, because some of these dreams you don't forget. Most dreams you forget. You wake up and it's like, you know, footprints on the sand. They kind of just dissolve. But some dreams, like I had this dream of being given a little creature to hold in my hand, mm -hmm. a little hybrid creature. And it's like, this is weird. But you know, I never forgot that dream. So was it a dream or was it an altered reality? And that is where my belief, this is my belief, that these beings want us to interface with in these alternate realities. Because they're not going to show up like you here or me here too, because they're not of this vibratory realm. And if they were to show up, you would shift out of ordinary consciousness. You would shift. You would not be able to even maintain the Karen Swain identity because you know, Karen, that's not who you are, right? right. So if they show up in physical form, it distorts our reality. It is like, um, like the world turns on its side. And yeah. humans, you yeah. Do you yeah. think that's why people, when they do encounter physical ETs that have been called abductions, do you mm -hmm. think that's why they go into terror? Because I, I spoke with Shirley, oh God, Sherry Wilde years ago. Yeah. And um, I just loved her story because every time her guide, Dar, came to pick her up and he, he was in a sort of tall grey um, outfit, physical form, she would go into absolute terror and he said, you do this every time. <laughs> I think that is, a, I think human beings like a back to the gorilla, you know, if, if, if there was an ET walking through the room or something and we weren't trained to see it and then suddenly we see it, we go into terror because, and this is what I say in this book, there's nothing more solid than our belief in the reality. So right. yeah, mm -hmm. that's one part of it. Because mm -hmm. our, so like, you know, you're sleeping in the middle of the night, someone, the doors are locked, suddenly someone's standing at your bed. It's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. how is that's not supposed to happen, <laughs> whether they're good or bad. But the other level of this, and this is something I've come up with, if you're coming from a different star system, the calibration of your consciousness is at a certain rate and beings from another, this is why we can be friends with animals and maybe other beings. And, on our solar system, but a, a, a being that's calibrated at a different frequency according to their sun's vibration, is it as it interfaces with our field, mm -hmm. distorts our field, distorts mm -hmm. it, because that's what I'm saying. We need to be more lucid because, and more aware, more aware in the dream state so we can withstand the distortion of fields and people say oh yeah what about drugs and all this is far more extreme because whatever drug you're doing there's still a sense of identity i guess but in this mm. interface and actually daryl anchor writes a chapter in this book where he's meeting bashar mm -hmm. in a dream state and he's felt like as if his whole identity was about to dissolve because he wasn't vibrating at a frequency beyond the 
human identity. Mm-hmm. That's a frequency. That's a morphogenetic frequency field. And we have to upgrade the frequency quality to who we are in order to withstand real face-to-face contact. So this book is a primer, Mm -hmm. but vibrationally is what is being asked of us to rise to the bigger occasion. So you're starting by tuning into your guide, but what were we going to ask me? Oh, I'm just getting so much information as you're talking. Um, This is why you spent, I don't know, 20 years talking about consciousness and health and healing and energy. Um, It's like priming people to shift their frequency, to shift their field so that we can acclimate more to an interdimensional being who is at a different vibratory experience. But when you were talking about if an ET comes as a physical uh, into your field, it it, um, shifts your field. They're saying it influences it. And there's yeah, the, what they showed me and what they showed me is um, so what's happening on planet Earth at the moment is that we're being bombarded with a lot of light. And as you turn up the light in a dirty house, you get to see all the dirt or all the distortion to the light. You know, right. when you're in a dim place, you can sort of ignore the distortion a dim sort of I'm sort of talking. Uh, in, in an yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, and so what they're saying is their frequency vibrates at such a higher rate. It's like that light sort of shines onto you and, and it, it amplifies everything within you, including your fear. So the terror is amplified as you meet an extraterrestrial being. But if you've dealt with your fears and your terror and your anger and your resentments, then, yeah, if you're, if you're a walking master right. on earth, you meet an ET, you're like, g'day, mate, how you going? High five. So, yeah, so the, like, the like work that Because you don't want, you're ta- when you say that, hey, mate, hey, you're taking them down to your level and they, <laughs> they <laughs> don't What I'm saying down. is you're not terrified. You're not like, ah. Right. But, you know, if you're talking to a dog, you don't bark at them. You talk at the language at the higher, more, nothing wrong with, hey, mate, but, you know, they're communicating on many, many levels at once. And that's part of the field influence. So we need to understand the multidimensional aspect of higher consciousness communication. So we can, and we have that capacity as humans. We haven't trained for that, but we do have that. So, (laughs) but you're right. We are being amplified. And that amplification, um, we need to train in order to stay lucid and conscious in that greater field. Yes. yes. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm really understanding the way, because, you know, I had that question at the beginning, you know, when did you sort of stop talking about health and consciousness and start talking about ETs? And you said, well, it's all one, it's all one story. Um, and it really is. It really is as we as we learn to expand our psychic ability and and energy healing and who we are as consciousness beings, it is all one story. Then we move into the making contact story uh, because we have to do that before it is the primer. Yeah, we've made contact. We have made. It's not like a new story. The awareness of it is new. Yeah. But we've been, you know, the great mystics have been making contact for ages you know they were you know um i think even jesus said what 
what what is here is everywhere you know it's like on all levels the right. and they're saying there are many there's many mansions in my something like that something like that many many rooms in my mansion or something like yeah that. Something like that. <laughs> you know, there's there's, there's some level like of consciousness that are making contact with us all the time look at you and your your team there you know they're always talking to you it's not a surprise that's like so you're more online than most people but you know everyone can be there oh everyone can absolutely absolutely and this is and this is what i talk about you know my passion is to take the woo woo out of woo woo and make it and make it mainstream you know um, there's a movie called hereafter made by steven spielberg which i watched the other night which is about a reluctant Matt Dillon, he, uh, not Matt Dillon, yeah, Matt, Matt um, or whatever his name is, actor. He's a reluctant psychic and he has this experience of feeling very isolated because of his psychic abilities. And, um, you know, if it's presented to the mainstream world, okay, it might be waking people up, but it makes me angry because we're all psychic. And to think that someone has a special gift or that they're better or different to you is um, we're all like that and we're all communicating telepathically with our parents when we're babies and parents but we're dumbed down you know right. the matrix has made us into little boxes and right. this is your box and that's your name this is what you're here to do and so making contact is making contact with your greater self it's making contact with the real self mm -hmm. but I don't know. Are people ready for this, Karen? Yeah, absolutely. You've seen this, Alan. You've been doing this well, for no, some long people as I are have. ready for it, but Haven't I'm also you seeing... seen an exponential growth in I have. I have, but I'm also like seeing yeah. like maybe parts of my family that no matter <laughs> what, family. you know, yeah. they will hold on to what they know. Oh and yeah what they don't know i mean but yes you're right there has been a huge expansion i just met someone the other night at a book signing goes you know i just woke up last year and i couldn't find anybody and i'm this fireman and no one's i mean nothing wrong with that of course because we need these people but he said there was no one he could talk to about any of this stuff and then he found this group and um you know Maybe I'll meet more firemen that you can talk to about this stuff. I'm sure they're out there. <laughs> but, you know, it's, you, there, there's this earth grounded stuff as this is all there is. And then, well, there's people that enjoy that. And then there's people saying, no, this is not all there is. So, yeah, yeah. What level we want to function in our reality? What, what's the most fun? What's our highest excitement, as Bashar would say? Yeah. I think the awakening has been exponential, especially in the last couple of years. I think that what we're going through is humanity's mass awakening. You know, the teachers have woken up and they've been doing their work like you and I. And then now it's like, okay, the teachers have sort of been set in place, the star seeds, the light workers, whatever you want to call them. They've been put in place and now let's awaken the masses. Uh, and, right. that's what's, and, that, right. and we've just started we've just started awakening the masses just starting to awaken the masses well yeah the aquarian age is the age of awakening mm. so but let's get into the book uh, let's okay. talk about you sent me the book and because i was sick i didn't i i did have an intention to go away and read the book and relax and do some reading but that's that okay. didn't happen because i got sick so i haven't i, I read the first yes. a couple of pages what is some of your favorite stories in the book? 
Well, let me just tell you, these are 11 different people, including myself, talking about the range of experience in making contact. So I start from the external, start with the nuts and bolts, start with the nuts and bolts and the government cover up like disclosure. That's Nick Pope, who worked for the Ministry of Defense in the UK. And that's all he's really concerned about is why governments keep secrets, the hardware. And that's where most people in the UFO field, there used to be, there's a shift now, start. Oh yeah, there's something in the sky. That's where people, you know, you see something. And then in the book, I go into a deeper level. I go into the next level, like Grant Cameron, chapter two, he says, you know, why do UFOs have lights? You think they need lights to travel halfway across the universe, you know? Maybe they're just having lights for us. You know, and I thought that was good. I don't agree with everything everyone says in a book, but, um, you know, that was another level. And then JJ and Desiree Hurtock go into the higher realms of consciousness as we interface with these beings. And then Linda Moulton Howe talks about her years of experience, 40 years of research talking to government insiders. And one of my favorite parts of where she talks about how there are three groups of competing ETs fighting for control of this planet. I don't know if that's true. It's not my experience, but it's something she heard from a government insider, Department of Intelligence Agency, uh, that there's the greys, the reptilians, and the tall blondes, Nordics, and they're all really controlling the information behind the scenes. And then from Linda, oh, one of my favorite chapters is John Mack. You know who John Mack is? Well, I called his, his archivist and there was an audio talk that he had given in 1995 that I said, I would love to transcribe this and put it in my books. Anyway, it happened to have been transcribed and I got permission from his son and this archivist to include that in this book. And John says... And he was someone I knew. It wasn't just someone. I mean, I I know I know all the people in this book. They are all friends. You, darling, we, you know everybody. <laughs> I know you. You are a, you are a, the ultimate connector. You are amazing. Well, anyway, go on, go. On. There's more people I'd like to meet, but yes. So anyway, I knew John, but um, in this in this talk he gives, he says it really comes down to worldviews. It comes down to what is your worldview. And if two people have two different worldviews, they're going to see a different reality. They are not going to see you. They're not going to hear the guides that you got knocking on their door saying, hello, wake up, because it's not real for them. Even if they do see a glimpse of the gorilla, they're going to discount it because no one told them the gorilla existed. Right. This is what I tell people. So yeah. if, if no one tells you, this item is on the map. When you pass it, you're not going to notice it unless you're more lucid and say, and this is what anomalies, not anomalies, according to actually John Mack's teacher, Thomas Kuhn, you know, Thomas Kuhn, he wrote the yeah. theories of scientific revolution. He says, revolutions in science happen when you start to include anomalies like so in the 1800s someone said that you know there's these rocks that fall from the sky 
And everybody thought that was just insane. How could there be rocks falling from the sky until they saw rocks falling from the sky and meteorites? And when you include an anomaly into an existing theory, the theory has to change. So the anomalies now is that, well, there seems to be unidentified craft in our sky And that is actually undisputed by the US government and probably lots of governments around the world. Who they are, what they are, where they're from, that's up for- What kind of drives me a little crazy is that like going back to what we're talking about in the beginning, you know, how we've been programmed by media. It's like we we won't believe something until it's until the government says it's true or you know it's on the mainstream news. It's like when I say we, obviously not the people. Isn't that what we're going through now? Humanity, right, right. In the whole COVID emergency, it seems like we're in training for what's your experience, what's your reaction. Who is an authority here? Well, no one's an authority on the UFO phenomenon. There is no authority. This is why the government can't tell us what's going on because they don't know what's going on. <laughs> Nobody knows what's, they have a little piece. It's like the elephant, you know, piece of the they elephant. They say the majority of the government we see as government don't know what's going on, but there they is don't. a vast, there is a vast yes. um, secret government there is a secret government, government to keep that knows us what's going on. Yeah, right. They, but even that part of the government doesn't really know all of what's going on because they're only able to see what their belief system can see. More right. experiencers know what's going on than the government insiders. Yeah, absolutely. So you know the and and that's a levels and levels of experiencers. So you get maybe an experience that said, yeah, I think something happened or I was abducted and you get beyond the abduction saying, wow, I had an incredible contact where my whole body was illuminated by light. So where are you? Are you being abducted? Are you being contacted? It depends how you approach this, you know, where you're coming from. So, and of course, everyone believes their truth to be the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. So you talk to contactees and say, oh yeah, it's this. And you talk to not someone else and say, no, no, it's not that at all. So this is giving us truth. I, I have a black cat too. Every good witch has a black cat, darling. <laughs> My cat's anyway. name is Gabriel. What's your cat's name? Oh, he's got a couple of names, but he, he Drake was one of the names. Drake, Marley, I just call him LP, Little Bush. But I just want to get back to my book for a second because yeah, go back. as I go deeper and deeper into consciousness, I go deeper and deeper into the psyche. So it comes back. So we start with the external, we go deep into the internal until we talk to people like Whitley Strieber, who said, talks about his contact experience in terms of consciousness and how his consciousness has shifted because of this contact experience. So, you know, when I talk to Mary Rodwell, one of your people over there who says, yeah, there's children being contacted and, um, you know, there's, there's more to the story and, and Carolyn Corey. Anyway, so we go from the exo to the esoteric aspects of this and that's how the structure so i bring the reader in deeper it's like you know the lobster in the pot of boiling water and then they're at the end of the book and they just you know slowly 
incubated in a whole new level of understanding what's possible. So I'm very happy about that. You wrote the book for the emerging, awakening person asking question. Is there a life in the cosmos? It's not really for people that have been exploring consciousness for years. No, it's not for people who've been on this, because it's, it's a primer for it. So that's why I wanted to make it more mainstream because, and I needed to make it more than one idea. I needed a diversity of opinions in order for the reader to decide, well, is this true? Is this true? So yeah, it's not for people who've been around the field for a long time, although they may find some gems in there and in JJ and Desiree's chapter or um, Linda Moulton House or, or Daryl talks about his personal experience, 30 year relationship with the extraterrestrial. So there are some gems in there, but I wanted to bring people up to date in a field that you know, me and you, Karen, have been swimming in for like 30 years, right? We've been in this. So, you know, nothing really surprises us, right? Well, I have to say, and I'm sure that you experienced this too. I thought when I went on media, I thought I knew a couple of things, right? I had been teaching and being a psychic and for years, but meeting all these people, I mean, it's so exciting. I keep saying I'm going to stop doing it and focus on my own work. And I never do. Well, <laughs> because I just love people and hearing their stories. But you meet some of the people that like you would have experienced this too, Alan, over the years that have stories and experiences that blow your mind and, and just, just explode your own worldview. Right. Um, right. I, that happened to me with Garnet Schulhauser. Have you ever had Garnet? Who? Garnet Schulhauser. I talk about no. him all the time. Well, he's like, he's so, he's like Kevin. He's about the same age. He's a little less animated than Kevin. He send him to me. Send I'll that name. He, he, yeah. he was a corporate lawyer for 36 years and very straight-laced Catholic corporate lawyer. And he's loosened up over the years and tells the jokes now, but he was always so sort of like Germanic. He, you know, he has Austrian background and so straight and, you know, but his experiences blew me out of the water because his spirit guide takes him out in his astral form and flies him around the cosmos takes him to different planets, takes him to speak to points of consciousness like fairies and angels and mermaids and Sasquatches and Mother Gaia and, you know, like he's got five books. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so when I started reading his books, I'm just like, you know. What's his name, you think? Garnet Shulha. I'll introduce you to him, yeah. Garnet, yeah, let me introduce because I'm always looking for, I'm like a talent scout, always looking for the latest. Oh, I know. I can introduce you to lots of people. but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, but, but you you would have experienced that over the years too when you met people with extraordinary. Yes, when I first met Bruce Lipton, I sought him out before he was published. It's like right. mm-hmm. this guy has something to say, and it's right. like, oh my god, he talked about the synergy of awareness. Well, what is that anyway? That's the whole thing. An interview I did with him about you know how all the cells in your body come together, form your consciousness. And I actually include that at the end of the book in the epilogue, because he says, we are not humans until we create the being humanity. That's when we all realize we're part of this bigger, bigger. Say that again. We are not humans until we until create, we create humanity. 
Oh, Humanity so is our collective consciousness. Humanity right? is our collective consciousness. Absolutely. That's it's such the synergy a of awareness. Like your cells, they're all independent, but they form the consciousness that makes you singular and focused. But all those cells are conscious in their own way, but how do they come together? And this is a mystery. I don't think even... Bruce understands how do they all come together to create a singular consciousness like you? They don't understand it, I don't think, because it's in the field, it's in the morphogenetic field. So we as individual cells are coming together to create this greater being, but we still think we're separate. When we realize that we're not separate, then we'll create the synergy of awareness that will create the being that we're really all a part of to begin with. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I'm getting so many aha moments. Um, humanity, collective consciousness is a living being. You know, it's so interesting. Yes. That's exactly how my guides, um, in the law of one material, they call it, oh, now I've forgotten the name, you know, Ra, who speaks, you know, the law of one material, Ra, who speaks through the channel says that he's not a being he's a collective consciousness what does he call it a collective memory complex there's a name but yeah it's this it's this knowledge the collective consciousness becomes this entity into itself yeah yeah, yeah. I should go in about 10 minutes, though. Okay, so. all right, we've got to go. What, what yeah, yeah. else do you want to tell people, dying, uh, about your experiences and, and the book? And Well, I want to tell people that something is shifting in human consciousness. This book, our conversations, everything. We're getting ready. We're at the threshold of something new and unknown, and we are becoming a new species, we are awakening, not just in the whole new age spiritual thing, we're awakening to the unknown, to a potential that isn't written in books. It's, it's, it's a wave of creative thought form realities that are gonna move us into something we have yet to imagine. We just have to be ready for that. So it's like, stop holding on to who you've been so you become who you really are. And that's the challenge of this time. You know, that's the challenge of the last two years. It's a challenge of our moment of choice, moment of evolution, our moment of waking up collectively. A lot of us, of course, have had this awaken and all this, but how do we form the synergy of awareness? which is Bruce Lipton's term, to become something we have yet to imagine, we have yet to cognize. Stop. Now I make a, what, what's that? Stop what holding on to who you have been so you can become, what did you who say? Who you are, who, who you, you truly are. are. You know, but we have to, I make a distinction in the book between cognition and recognition, you know what the difference is? Recognition means to recognize, but cognition, cognition is the initial point of learning, of, of, of making sense of the world, going back to that story from the beginning and making patterns, seeing patterns of perception. I couldn't recognize 
the forms on the black and white TV because I didn't cognize the forms there. So as we move into these new realities, we have to stay open to the cognitive awareness of new thought form realities, of new thought forms, new ideas. Like most new ideas are rejected because it doesn't fit into the box. Paradigm. Right? So I say, stay open to the new ideas where there's no box to put them in. We need to create new boxes and not even boxes, but in order to put something in our world, we need to name it, label it. But if we can stay in the unformed, in the uncertain, in the apprehension of reality, as opposed to comprehension, then we don't collapse the wave function and we start to function like the ETs. We start to think mm -hmm. like they think. We don't lose our human access, but we become more right brain. Left brain says, oh, I know what this is. It's this, this, and this. The right brain, which has been dumbed down and overshadowed since since we begin to real uh, to learn semantic reality and everything has a name and if it doesn't have a name it doesn't exist and all that right. that's semantic reality but the more we can let go of naming and identifying things and be more fluid then the world becomes a wave more than a particle and we start to meet beings that are less solid and less nameable and more fluid within the fluid motion of who we are as consciousness because consciousness is not static it's moving every minute if it was mm -hmm. static everything would stop and we'd be frozen and just but because no matter what form you're in the conscious wave of eternity and the flow of the infinite is moving into us as we welcome it into the greater mind then everything changes into a wave and we start to swim out into the ocean to meet the beings yeah. waving at us so. what you're talking about waving at us what you're talking about is the physics of their reality yes. they understand the waveform that's why they can dematerialize their particles walk through a wall right they understand quantum physics not as theory but as, as practical, right. we are still functioning. You know what we're functioning on? Physics invented by Newton that's 400 years old. old. That's right. what's running our cars and airplanes and trains and, you know, energy in, energy out. But maybe, and like some people have said inside the government, there's another physics. I mean, quantum physics have said this, but we have yet to apply a practical application because it has to do with consciousness. So we have to shift to the fifth gear, fifth dimension in order to make applicable the quantum physics into um, a mechanism that we could use in an everyday world to up-level the realities and the forms and the conditions we are in, but it also means changing the way we think about reality. So absolutely the application of impossible things. Exactly. Have, have you have you interviewed her? The application of impossible Who, who's things. Who's that? Um, I'll introduce you to her. You might have put her no, on. She sounds great. I've heard that, but I it's, I think it's I, the name of her book. Um yes, I want to interview her. Yes, yes, yes. She's she's a, she's a dear friend. She and, uh, 
Yeah, she's amazing. The application. I, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just before we go, I've got one more question. Yes, yes, How sure. do you think the ET consciousness or the extra dimensional consciousness is involved in what we're currently going through? You know, like what we've been going through in the last couple of years. How do you think? I don't think it's directly involved, but I think it is a passageway for us to let go of what we call normal. Right. And everyone gets that now. Everyone gets there is no normal. There's right. no going back to normal in right. a way there never was a normal. It makes us ease, makes it easier to meet the unknown mm. because look at what we've had to do for two years and everyone as on the planet has had to do some sort of turnaround in their life. And, and that's training, you know, it's like working out, you know, you work out, become strong, and then suddenly you need those muscles to lift some package or furniture. But, you know, we are in the workout phase. We've been working, consciousness has been working out. And I think also upgrading our nervous system. So I think it's indirectly related. Maybe it's directly related, but I get the sense that we are moving and, and we're all collective. There's no borders anymore, right? If right. a little, little thing can get everywhere in the planet, then what's the point of putting up a wall or a fence or, or saying <laughs> this is a country? This yeah. is part of the synergy of awareness that right. we need in order to meet the others because obviously... There is only one planet. I don't mean one world government. I mean one humanity, one planet, one consciousness. Consciousness is only singular, really, when it comes down to your conscious, my consciousness. We are consciousness. So it's we have yet to come out of this and realize the, I think, the benefits of this time, but it's the it's the shift. If you ever drive a stick shift car. The clutch goes down, you, you know, you have to move it to the next gear. This is where we're going. We're going from 3D to 5D. Means that we start to live multidimensionally. ETs become part of our reality. We have unity consciousness. Everyone can live in abundance. I know this is ideal and who knows, but it is possible. It is possible to live in a much better world where everyone can can have food and education and water and, and yeah we we move, we move from survival to creativity so at the moment the majority of the human race not everyone uh, are in that survival mode where they do a job to pay the bills to have the house to have the car to have the holiday rather than having the freedom to just be creative and do whatever Imagine if everyone lived that. Imagine what the planet would look like, how joyful and uh, active and and full of life and love and potential if we were all that creative imagination. That's my vision, exactly. I have imagined that so many times. Like I keep talking Me to the model, like, what does it look like? What does it look like? I call so that the flowering of humanity. I, yeah, that is absolutely. Yes. Natalie Sudman was the name of the application of impossible things. Have you had her on your show? Natalie, Natalie Sudman. Natalie, I'd like to meet her, yeah. I'll introduce you. Um, Darling Thank one, you, it's been such a joy, honestly, such a joy to speak with you today. You, you are amazing. And just tuning into your mob, 
I've never experienced anything quite like what I felt with you. Seriously, it is Take just... a load of my mob for me, Well, okay? it's just the quantity, quality of energy that is behind you and your work. And, and what I want to say to you is that they so applaud you. Um, you know, like the, you don't need the applause, you don't need the accolades, but they just... No, so, I appreciate it. It's nice so to be honor, honor you is a better word. They so honor you for everything you're doing and everything you've done and how you have brought in a new reality and shifted people and helped people mm. awaken they Thank just you. there's just huge pouring out of this honor for you really oh uh, well there's more to come I there's, got a lot, lot there's a lot more to come i know you're getting yeah. more prolific it's just the beginning <laughs> just it really beginning. is so hold on to your seats thank <laughs> you so much let me know when you post this and i'll send it out to my people too and thank you for all that you do Say hello to your mob. My, from my mob to your mob, we say hello. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Oh, what a blessing and an honor to have a chat with Alan. He had to head off because he's got something else going on. But um, an amazing human being, honestly. And uh, what I've found is, as I've been speaking with people over the years, um, not necessarily, but the ones that are behind the others are usually... Oh, the masters. No, I can't say that. Uh, because he's been showcasing people instead of just sort of talking about himself and what he's got to say. Not that that's not great, because I put people on the show that do that all the time. But um, oh, the feeling I got with the amount of help, guidance uh, is just huge. I know I said it a million times, but I've never felt such a big energy. Like, um, yeah. Just, just amazing. Alan is doing amazing work. And uh, over the last year or so, he has been really prolific, uh, uploading a lot of stuff to his YouTube channel, New Realities. Go and check it out. And he's been working with Sheila Seppi and the Wish Alliance, as I have been, and uh, Portal to Ascension uh, with um, Neil. Uh, I've forgotten Neil's last name. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not firing at 100%. But still, at the moment, I'm still sort of getting back online. I'll get there. But um, yeah, amazing, amazing human being. And uh, I was thinking about his book, you know, if you're, uh, it would be a great read for everybody, but maybe if you're someone that has family or friends that are just starting to ask these questions, like, is there life out there in the cosmos? Maybe the book would be great to give to them, uh, to, to the inquiring mind, not to the skeptical mind that says, no, nah, aliens are all BS and there's no such thing as life after death and you know all that you, you're not going to convince them because you know minds can be like concrete can't they they can be like walls that you can't penetrate I was having a conversation with a girlfriend's mother yesterday and she is a curious person she's a happy she's in her 80s she's fabulous I love her to bits but she has her ideas and they come from the mainstream media and she's adamant in those ideas that, that what the news is telling her is what, how the world works. And so she keeps asking me questions, but I know that if I answer her questions, she'll just argue with me because it just can't penetrate her worldview. So I kept saying, um, I'm, I'm not going to answer that question because it's not something that you would understand or you would even believe me. <laughs> And she keeps pressing me. We have these conversations all the time. It's hilarious about spirituality and, and all sorts of things. Uh, she's a curious, oh, she's a beautiful woman, honestly. But um, 
But when we start to believe something and we and we become right about it, we can't penetrate that concrete wall, that brick wall. Uh, so yeah, just like Alan said, stay open. You know, a parachute only works when it's open. <laughs> Keep your mind open. Keep your mind open. I know I've uh, when I started having a lot of extraterrestrial ET conversations on the show, I had a few comments, only a few, from people going. Oh, now you've gone nuts. You know, now you've gone bonkers. They, they'd love to talk about consciousness and, and, and health and spirituality and the masters and channeling and psychic ability and life after death and NDEs. I love to talk about all that stuff. But once you start to introduce the ET conversation, then people hit that brick wall of limitation in their belief system and say, no, 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 this stuff, you know, I, I can't come at this stuff. But I've seen over the last year, actually, even people in my group, uh, their minds open like a parachute and start to contact their galactic perspective and start to channel light language and get sort of into that perspective. It's all really one perspective. The ascended masters, the angels, the ETs, the human race, races, the animals, the earths, the cosmos, the planets, it's all one expanding evolving spinning consciousness it's one as the gurus have always said we are one we are one with the infinite intelligence of the cosmos just experiencing life in different perspectives wonderful conversation with alan make sure you check out uh, what he's doing on his uh, youtube channel and uh, thanks again for listening and watching. And um, if you have any questions, I, Alan and I were going to go live today. And he said, no, let's do a pre-record because I thought I could ask you questions. We'll do a live another time where you can quiz him and ask him questions and quiz me, if you like, about uh, all things consciousness and ET intelligence and cosmic, cosmic consciousness. What do you want to know? Do you want to connect to your own galactic self? Who are you living on another planet in another dimension? You know, we're not only human experiences and galactic experiences, we're also operating as spirit guides. I've spoken to many people on the show. One of them wrote, wrote a book, Dr. Leo Galland, called Already Here or Already There, where his dead son starts communicating with him and he says, you know, you're already here, Dad. You're not dead or alive. You're in both places at once. You're already a spirit here with me, talking to me as you're experiencing a human life. So it's all happening simultaneously. We don't live then, then go to the spirit world. We're already there in the spirit world, projecting an aspect of our consciousness into this reality and witnessing it and witnessing it. So our dead relatives are, are with us in the spirit world. We're already there. That's what I loved about his book. Yes, so we're here and there and everywhere. We are multidimensional beings, as I discussed with Geraldine in the last conversation, multidimensional. And what part of your multidimensional aspect do you want to connect with, communicate with, access, be a part of where you are as a human mind and potential? What do you want? There is infinite possibility. <laughs> I, keep, I was thinking as I was talking to Alan, I might change the name of the show to Infinite Possibility. Life is a journey of infinite possibility. Thanks again for listening and watching. And remember, I've changed the way we do the Inner Sanctum this year. 
I still have my weekly online groups with my tribe who have subscribed. But what I'm doing with the guest teachers is I'm doing them, um, inviting you, the public or anybody who wants to come into the Zoom room and meet the guests. And then I'm live, live streaming them so you can ask them questions so that they get a broader reach, a broader group of people uh, listening to their uh, wisdom rather than just my little group and then me editing it and putting up the highlights. So the whole conversation will be on my platforms. And if you want to join that, just sign up on my website, Karen Swain slash Inner Sanctum, and I'll send you the Zoom link and you can come online and meet whoever I've got next. You know who I've got coming up? One of my favourites, Stephen Simon is coming up in February, mid-February. It's on the weekend, Saturday afternoons in the States and a Sunday morning in Australia or in Asia and Australasia, the Saturday night in Europe. You know, he's been a producer, prolific producer, filmmaker, film director, making movies and predominantly consciousness music for years, <laughs> music, movies for years. And his beautiful young wife, she was like only 54, died about three and a half years ago. And he's a bit older than her. He's in his 70s now. And they spoke about life after death, often very both very awakened people. And she was channeling and helping people and beautiful soul, still beautiful soul. Um, and after a lot of grief, he started communicating with her and together they wrote his book, What Dreams Have Come, you know, coined after his one of his movies, What Dreams would come oh dear i'm sorry i'm still not firing but anyway stephen's coming to chat to us so if you want to meet stephen he's such a beautiful soul just love him uh sign up uh, at the uh, inner sanctum it, as i say it's free or by donation i do ask for donations if you want to contribute to these shows and conversations and you can come in and, and meet him on zoom next month in february and we'll also live stream that conversation on my youtube channel so I really look forward to that conversation. I, I had a chat with Stephen on the show at the beginning of last year, I think it was, or the middle of last year, whenever it was. And, uh, and then I put him on about a dozen other shows. I put him on Sandra Champlain's show, <laughs> Jeff Mara's show, um, oh, all, the show, all the shows that he's been on. Um, I introduced him to all the podcasts because he, um, you know what I felt? I felt like I, I needed to get him out of his grief because he was still really grieving, even though he was in complete communication contact with his supposedly, you know, when I say dead, the dead never say they're dead, with his wife that had left her physical body. He was still very grieving her physical presence. And I thought, I'll just get him really busy talking about his book and that'll get him, give him something to do and get him out of his grief. Because, you know, when we're contributing to others and helping others, we don't have time to be in our pity party, right? We don't have time to feel sorry about ourselves, poor me. My love has died because we're too excited about reaching out and helping others. That's that's the joy of life. That is the joy of life. That's what overcomes all depression is to reach out, extend your energy outside your own drama to contribute to others. <laughs> so that's what I did with the beautiful Stephen. Anyway, so he's coming in. Lots of love to you and um, starting to take clients uh, again in the next couple of weeks because I cancelled all my clients. So if you're wanting a reading or a session, contact me on my website and I'll book you in. Big love to all of you. It's wonderful to be back and speaking to you again. And check out my book, Awakened by Death, if you haven't already. Big love. Bye for now.